So if you want to follow along this morning, we have Bibles available at the four corners of the sanctuary. And our text this morning comes from 1 Corinthians. We're going to read verses 10 through 18. So it's found on page 127 in the second set of page numbers. So 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 18. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except for Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you have gathered us in this morning to come as a community to hear from your word. Lord, we pray that as we reflect on your text, that your spirit will be among us, that you will be working in our hearts to help us hear areas where we need to grow, both as individuals and as a community. Lord, we pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Martin Luther King Jr. once said that regrettably the most segregated hour of Christian America is an 11 o'clock on Sunday. Now he was specifically talking about race, but I think that we can broaden that statement to even just look at perhaps the most divided time of our Christian community. When you look at how churches break out, you do see divisions along race, but you also see it in language, in neighborhood, often among socioeconomic class, and those are just the big picture divisions. As you look closer, You also see divisions in worship style, time of meeting, frequency of meeting, how you go about the rituals, denominations. We have found so many ways to separate ourselves, to be one body, but with parts that are separate from each other, and that often don't have a lot of connection to their other parts. Paul is calling the Corinthians to recognize that in themselves. 
if we had covered the first nine verses, you would have seen a very different tone (laughs) that most commentators actually think is kind of Paul smooth-talking them before he hits them with the real stuff. Because he talks about, in those first nine verses, how great the church is, how wonderful they are. They have all of these gifts. (coughs) There's so many great things. They have everything they could ask for. But then he says, now I appeal to you. Because despite all of this, despite all of the blessings, you are dividing yourselves. He says, you have taken something that is beautiful, people from a very diverse community, which Corinth was, have gathered together in the name of Jesus. The power of the message of the cross was so great that against the Roman culture and against the Jewish teachings, people were willing to come to something new, were willing to gather in these new communities to hear about this great news and to try to tell others about it. He said, that is wonderful. But now you're starting to wander. You've taken your eyes off of the cross and you're looking at those in your midst, and you're saying, do I agree with you enough? Do we have enough in common that we can stay together? That was in Corinth. I look around, and I don't necessarily think that much has changed. At my last church, We were on a road that went through the main street of town. And if you were to drive along that road, which was just a couple miles through this small town, either on that road or within one block of that, there were five CRC churches and two RCA churches, which in the States, the RCA used to be part of the CRC. And then a while ago, they split because they disagreed about things. And I can tell you, Colorville was not that big. (laughs) It did not need that many churches. But there was something about each of those churches that the people in that community found that they weren't finding at any of the other churches, whether it be the songs that they sing, if they had a second service. If it was even just families that had come up together for generations and had a falling out at some point, and decided to go to different churches. There are a hundred reasons why they left one church. We often joked of, if we'd had an influx of growth, people would start to get really optimistic of, look, our numbers have increased. But then you look at who's come, and it was what we would call lateral growth. Of it wasn't new Christians, It was CRCers who had had a disagreement at their home church and now had come to us willing to give us a try because they needed a break from that other community. That is our mindset when it comes to church so often. We show up on Sunday morning 
thinking about what we want and what we need from that community. And we forget that the community also needs something from us. Jean Vanier, who founded the Larch Intentional Living Communities, said this in an essay. He said, It takes time for a heart to make this passage from egoism to love, from the community for myself to myself for the community, and to the community for God and those in need. It takes time and much purification and constant deaths which bring new resurrections. That is what this community, this church, the church universal, is all about. Is this calling for us to come as individuals with all of our brokenness, drawn by the beauty of the message of the cross, and to say that I am so committed to the way of Jesus that I'm willing to let parts of myself, the egotistical parts of this is what I want, this is what I need, to die a little so that I can be part of something bigger, so that I can say, what does the community want? What does the community need? I was grateful that we had that uh, reading that Mike and Sharon did for us earlier, because I think that gives us a really beautiful picture. When I was first reviewing that passage last week for the dig-in groups, one of the first things that struck me was John says, look, here is the Lamb of God. And two of his disciples just up and leave him and go follow this other rabbi. And I was struck in a new way of how selfless Paul or John had to be in that moment. He wasn't looking to make his way in the world by collecting disciples around him, but he was focused on turning them to God. So he knew that those who came to follow him for a short season, as soon as they saw God, he wanted them to go. So when he said, look, there he is, they went. The community that John had gathered about him, he was willing to let go of because he wanted them to latch on to Jesus and nothing else. Are we able to do that today? In the midst of our community, in the things that we set up, that we establish, do we recognize when the Lamb of God walks by? And are we willing to follow him, even if it means walking away from perhaps the good situation we already have? Are we willing <coughs> to let our individual things go for what the community needs? <clears throat> Eberhard Arnold wrote this. Community life is like martyrdom by fire. It means the daily sacrifice of all our strength and all our rights. 
all the claims we commonly make on life and assume to be justified. In the symbol of fire, the individual logs burn away so that united, its glowing flames send out warmth and light again and again into the land. I love that image for a couple reasons. First, as we're in this season of Epiphany, we're highlighting the light of the Lord going out to all nations. Fire is such a beautiful picture of that light. But I also love how he talks about the logs. If you need each of those individual logs, if there aren't enough, or if you don't have enough tinder, if you don't have the fire built right, it's not going to catch. But you also just can't have one. If you've ever seen in a fire pit where one log catches, but the others don't, it's going to fizzle out over time. And yet, when they all catch, you can no longer tell which flame comes from which log. They're all consumed into one fire that gives off warmth and light in a greater amount than any individual log could. (coughs) But as he says, it is a part, is a type of martyrdom of saying, I'm willing to let myself be consumed by the fire of this community, which is going to burn hotter and brighter and longer than I could on my own. I'm going to give 100% of myself to make this fire burn. That is what we're called to. Paul says it here. Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. We are called to proclaim the good news of the cross. And we don't even have to have it figured out. I think that's sometimes part of this martyrdom, of this selflessness, of saying, I'm going to try to explain something that I don't even necessarily understand myself, but I'm going to give myself in the effort. Because for those who get it, for those whose hearts are convicted by the Spirit, it's no longer going to be foolishness. But something about that cross is going to resonate with them. There's going to be something in them that says, I want to be part of something bigger. I'm willing to set aside myself to be a part of this community because it means being a part of the community of God. And that is a community that is headed and modeled off of God, which is ever selfless and ever loving. If you look at the Trinity, you will see that there's this mutuality of one is not the head of the other, but they are constantly in relationship, constantly serving each other and deferring to each other. One is not saying, this is me, this is what I want, 
you need to get in line with that. But saying, I am part of the whole. And this is who we are and what we do. And I think when we look around the world today, we'll see that there's divisions not just in church. It's everywhere. There's something in our human nature that likes to separate and create categories. We like to label things and have them put in their correct place. It's just how we think. So how amazing might it be if we have, as the church, said, we're not always going to get it right, but we are going to strive for unity. We're going to strive to set aside that human nature. We're going to see the gifts that people bring, which are going to be different, but we're going to put them together so that we burn brighter and longer. And through it all, we're going to come under the name of Christ because that is really what unifies us. On our own, we're not going to be able to overcome our differences. We're going to try, but we're going to stumble. But that's the beauty of this community, is that it is Christ's community. And he's going to give us the strength to be one. But it all starts with keeping our eyes on the cross. So when we show up on Sunday morning and we disagree with our neighbor about something, or there's a part of the worship service that we don't like, or there's some part of our heart that is just feeling disconnected, we say, but I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died for me on the cross. And when you turn to your neighbor and they say, I believe the same thing, that is all that matters. That you have that in common. And that we strive to forgive each other for the other ways that we create division. Because at the end of the day, that's not what God has called us for. That's not to say you can't have preferences. It's not to say we can't work to grow as a community. But in our hearts, are we willing to see each other as brothers and sisters, purely on the strength of our faith in the cross of Jesus Christ? And in the times that we struggle, do we call out to God and say, Lord, make us one? Help us come in your name so that we might be that light in this world that is showing how powerful the cross is such that it can give forgiveness of sins but also bring about a remedy to some of the sins of division by calling us to unity. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you loved us so much that you did send your son to show us the way of community and then to die on the cross 
for us so that even though we sin, we might have access to be your children still. Lord, we pray that as we come to you, we would open our hearts to the working of your spirit, Lord. Help us set aside the parts of ourselves that are breaking community, Lord. Help us love you first and foremost, and from that love, draw on your love of each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. As a community, one of the great joys we have is to come to the table of the Lord, who is the great host, and who reminds us that through our differences, we all come together to the table as brothers and sisters.